Armored Core 6 gameplay previews are pouring in, and they are very positive. In the wake of a brand new Armored Core 6 gameplay preview video from Bandai, many YouTubers, bloggers, articles are starting to come out with their hands-on preview. So I wanted to give you a spoiler-free preview roundup, as well as sort of comb over the brand new information, the gameplay details we've got, and give you my thoughts on the game, as I've slowly changed my mind about Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. Initially, I thought this would be a game that I really wouldn't fall in line with. This wouldn't be one that I would find myself playing, and it's shaping up to be a very promising game from the talented team at From Software. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video. You don't have to go looking for it. I sort of open the live stream with a monologue. It's a longer video because I then discuss it in the live environment. So if you like this kind of content, make sure you hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss my content. So Armored Core 6 gameplay details as well as previews are stacking up and it's all looking and sounding very positive. A short marketing window and a release date around the corner. With that in place, we have lots of new info and gameplay to come over. But we also have hands-on previews from YouTubers and outlets who actually got to play the game. So first, I want to give you an Armored Core 6 gameplay preview rundown. I will keep this spoiler-free as some of the previews do talk about specific missions. I don't think that's important for the actual preview rundown. I do think I'm going to keep it more generic and try to pull the standout statements and the info that will give you a sort of gist of the game. Second, I want to look at the new gameplay as well as the details. We have PvP details as long as, as well as info about duels. You can 1v1, 2v2, 3v3. One of the YouTubers, Vadi, actually has concerns about that and we'll talk about that as well. Lastly, I want to give my thoughts on the game. As someone who enjoyed Sekiro, uh, that was the most uh, that I enjoyed. I played the Demon Souls remake, Dark Souls 3, and Elden Ring. I actually think Armored Core 6 might land really well with me, given that we've got the guy from Sekiro being sort of the director here, and they're not the same games, I know that, but I do think there's some commonality, some bridges that'll be able to be built for people who really like Sekiro and the fast speed combat. So let's just do a bit of a preview roundup. Now I'm going to pull most of my preview roundup from Vadi Vidya. I thought his was very well done. But I also checked out IGN, I checked out uh, Pineapple, I think his name, Pineapple Express. Anyway, I checked out a handful, and I'm going to pull from them as well. Now, he opens up by saying that the game is just good, and his video is titled, I played Armored Core 6, it's incredible. So it's safe to say he thinks very highly of the game. And the video is 46 minutes long. So if you want to see his whole breakdown, he goes into detail about the missions. You're going to get a lot more info from him. Check out Vadi's video. It's quite good. Now he starts out by saying that Armored Core 6 has all of the hallmarks from that from software has been seeing with their modern game design. So don't expect this to be a complete departure from Sekiro, Souls, or even Elden Ring, even though interviews and discussions have been swirling about, well, is it a Souls game or is it not a Souls game? Well, yes, it's not a Souls game, but it still kind of is one because there are philosophical alignments. There are game design philosophies in place that you're going to say, oh, this, th- I can sense that this is the guys, you know, who made Elden Ring. This is the team that made the from the, the, the Souls game. So you're going to find those alignments, even though the gameplay and the structure will be vastly different 
than Souls games. Now, he does admit, Vadi admits, that many will think that the combat and the UI is overwhelming. He thinks it's worth taking the time to understand it all, and in classic FromSoft fashion, you start out weak and kind of down and out. Again, I'm going to keep this spoiler-free, as Vadi did play a handful of the missions. He has timestamps for all those missions if you want to check them out, and his discussion of them. You start the game with a very basic mech, for weapons and combat Uh, and he breaks down how you can use assault boost to cover great distances there's also like a quick boost that you can kind of use for like dodging and gliding and sort of zipping around there's also jump pads like this that enable you to get higher and sort of above the battlefield and when you sort of start with the basic combat he talks about how you have to sort of use energy that's sort of like a stamina bar that's basically how you're zipping around that's how you're getting out of the way of rockets and gunfire and attacks and so like any other souls game or any other game where you know you're in an intense firefight or an intense piece of combat you're going to have to manage that energy and he does say that while many people might look at this and think this is purely a game based on combat and big bombastic environments and things like that. He says that the dialogue makes the missions very engaging. And then he talks about how your missiles and they can be fired in certain ways, like you can fire at a single target or you can do like a long hold and then you can fire at multiple targets. He goes into detail about the garage and all the different things you can do in there. He said that you are outnumbered a lot, so using the missiles to sort of target multiple multiple targets is actually quite useful you're going to want to do that you're also going to want to stay mobile and moving a lot Uh, as far as I can tell and as far as what he was saying the early combat is fast it's engaging uh, it's fun but it also looks like you have to manage a lot you've got angles line of sight you don't want to be just out in the open getting shot up I saw them in a lot of the videos and a lot of the feedback and a lot of the previews talking about using cover sort of staying hidden and using that in your approach or just navigating an area if there's a lot of enemies you also have to manage your energy again that's basically your stamina you got to manage reloading and multiple targets because once you get an enemy staggered if you're sort of reloading that's a huge miss opportunity to do tons of damage so you are managing multiple layers of different things at your disposal and the game wastes no time it drops that boss for you to fight you saw just a second ago in this footage sort of fighting almost like a jet that kind of comes in so they're going to put you on your you know your heels very quickly now Vadi seemed to think that new players would likely lose that first fight while those familiar with armored core would potentially win their first bout a lot of the times in games like this if you're familiar with FromSoft they sort of like ease you in and then all of a sudden you're getting smacked in the face of the boss and you die and it's just sort of the the immediate difficulty check to let you know this game's not going to be that easy. They, they really like to do that. So while you're just, you know, busy getting your feet wet, all of a sudden you find yourself in the deep end of the pool. Now, he couldn't show all of the missions, only 20 minutes of footage from missions 6, 7, 8, and 11. So I'm not going to go into spoilers. I'm just going to echo his feedback. He goes into detail about why he came up with four different builds and he replayed four different missions to get S rank. Now, he argues this is essentially the end game. That's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be rerunning missions to get those higher ranks and to get the the, the currency and the rewards and things that you need, need to invest in your different mech. So he came up with four different builds because the four different missions 
he was sort of theorizing what would be most effective. Now, he again, he argues this is essentially the end game. You're going to be replaying those missions, getting those better scores. And he concluded that S-rank tier will be very challenging for the longer missions. There are missions that are going to take you a little bit longer. You're going to need to build a mech that can kind of handle the entire mission and its difficulties. Now, we'll get to why that might not necessarily be true in a moment with respect to how the checkpoints works. Then he goes into details about the new mechanics. He talks about log hunts and replaying fights in the arena. You can, like, basically replay a 1v1 fight against a mech in the arena, and you get awarded with credits and OST chips, and then you use those for upgrades. There was so much in the OS tuning, operating system tuning, that it might overwhelm some people and this scene in particular is one of the scenes that I thought was very impressive with size and scope I'll talk about that later in my feedback but I wanted to draw your attention to it now he does talk about energy weapons and this is a change for folks familiar with armored core energy weapons will not be using your energy but will overheat that's essentially their reload mechanic you're probably familiar with this in other games where you have guns and weapons and things that don't necessarily reload they just overheat and you gotta let them cool down then he discusses lock on and it is automatic when you're close enough to an enemy and this is where it got confusing in a previous stream that i did because there is soft lock and there is hard lock and hard lock is the thing that folks were criticizing it is the thing that even according to vadi was not present in previous armored core games so i know people were trying to take me to task for that some guy made a video about me clearly did not understand what i was talking about did not understand the fact that armored core 6 is different in this regard so soft lock gives you more of a free movement you can sort of continue to move around and it just sort of soft locks to the enemies and then you can just sort of move that to different enemies if you'd like but then hard lock ensures that the camera always follows the enemy okay this is likely why many people were misunderstanding what i was talking about previously they thought i was talking about just like locking on to an enemy Hard lock is a feature specifically for the camera, and it, it's as a state that many fans were taking issue with. Now, Vadi found that you could not break the hard lock state. It always stayed locked on. No matter how fast he was going, no matter what he did, the camera would whip around and continue to stay locked on the enemy. And he found it to be very powerful and described it as game-defining. Now, again, he confirmed in his coverage that in the previous Armored Core games, they didn't play this way. There was no way to stay hard-locked on an enemy, and many people have said that this is going to make the game too easy. He actually found it preferable to do soft-lock. He felt it gave him more motion, it helped him manage multiple targets, and he goes into detail about why and and why he likes doing that versus not doing hard-lock. That's going to be a preference thing. I wouldn't be surprised if more hardcore armored core fans tend to lean towards maybe being more soft lock then he goes into detail about fcs which is three levels of assist there's close medium and long range and this essentially helps keep your secondary reticle on the enemy this helps with accuracy this helps with lock on time for missiles so this is something that you can invest in in your build to assist you do you like to play far away mid or close you're going to want to make sure you have that assist high in those different 
uh, environments because that is going to help you with locking on faster or just being more accurate in general. Now, there will be different endings with New Game Plus, okay? That will unveil new missions. So the people that actually decide to do New Game Plus, you're going to get new missions at your disposable. Uh, at, at your disposal, sorry. Now, on the gameplay, he says that movement feels great and it all comes down to your leg type. So if you want to move really, really fast, if you want to be zipping around, that's going to be something you're going to have to build into and leg types are going to be how you do that, right? So, and when he was considering sort of all of the different variables in your build, he essentially said that this game was going to give you just an unbelievable amount of freedom and that your builds feel really good. And then he was sort of considering Elden Ring fans. Will Elden Ring fans enjoy Armored Core 6? And he thinks that they will, all right? He lists a lot of things that are first-time souls commonalities with armored core okay now he's not saying that this is going to be a souls game but what he's saying is there are first time commonalities there are things that are in armored core 6 that were not in the previous games that you're going to find have commonality with souls games he talks about the decoupled camera the fast turning speeds you can heal there are checkpoints where you can change your build bosses have heavily telegraphed attacks there's a visual stagger system a timed block system and the hard lock for the camera okay these are all things that are new commonalities with souls games like this is one of the reasons why some people are saying will this game feel like a souls game i don't think it's gonna feel like one i think you're gonna see those sort of whispers in the background of like oh this is this is from the people who make souls games which is not it's not gonna feel like a dark souls game he concludes that these things actually make armored core 6 more approachable for souls fans and more approachable for just modern gamers, okay? It still feels like an Armored Core game with all those things. Now, he did have concerns, and this is where I think things could go a little rough for the game. First, he talked about PvP. He's worried about the target assist, because the target assist is essentially the hard lock, and he's worried that the target assist will make PvP very different. In previous Armored Core games, he said that it was about getting out of your opponent's sight lines, it was about outmaneuvering them, and he was able to actually ask the game's director about skill expression in light of the fact that you can just stay hard locked on the enemy. The response was a bit mixed, you know, basically the director saying that you can actually use soft lock to be more agile and you can fly directly over your opponent to avoid hard lock. Now, Vadi wasn't necessarily convinced that would matter in a 1v1 fight. He thought, well, that might help in the 2v2 and the 3v3s. That's some new information that came out of this. There's 1v1 duels, there's 2v2 and 3v3. And flying directly over somebody to avoid getting hard locked is something that you would not necessarily be able to do in a 1v1 like they're going to be able to see you and from from his standpoint and his testing you can't really break hard lock no matter how hard you try he said that hard lock now the director did say though that hard lock forces you to use angles and you do have to manage your stagger meter you also have to manage optimal distance and timing so expression of skill is going to come out that way right 
if you're too far away and you finally manage to stagger somebody, you're not going to be able to capitalize on that, right? If you mess up the timing on your reload, you're not going to be able to capitalize on that either. There were a handful of previews that talked about that. So, since we're talking about PvP, he also expressed concern about balancing, which anytime you're talking about PvP and there's weapons involved, balancing is going to be a heated discussion. In his interview with the game director, the director indicated that the biggest challenge has been balancing the weapons. The uniqueness of Armored Core 6 is that you can fire four weapons at once. Vadi even admits that folks like him, they're going to create videos. They're going to recommend weapons. Hey, this is the best weapon for PvP. There will be a meta that emerges. This is every game. Hopefully FromSoft is prepared to manage that. I mean, even this happened in Elden Ring, and I don't even know if they're still chasing their tail on that. There were some pretty crazy builds early on. I know that people were complaining about So, I actually feel like PvP is not a primary concern for me. I'm not really a PvP guy. I would just prefer to play through the game, fight the bosses and the enemies. Now, I liked his feedback about checkpoints, right? He said that they didn't make individual encounters easier, but they made things less inconvenient, okay? He does think being able to use the checkpoint, however, to change your mech loadout halfway through a mission is a bit overpowered. So he's saying two things. Number one, having the checkpoint right there, it doesn't make the boss fight easier. It's just less inconvenient. And I love that in Elden Ring. When I went back to Demon Souls, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, if you die in the boss fight, you gotta truck it all the way back and you gotta fight everybody all over again. And it's just a bit of a nuisance, especially when you know exactly what to do. You know exactly where the enemies are. It's like, can I just get back to the boss? I I almost had him. I wanna jump back in the ring. I love that about Elden Ring. I thought it was a good change. It didn't make the fights any easier. There are still fights in Elden Ring that are incredibly frustrating and very challenging. Just because there's a checkpoint right there doesn't take away from that challenge. But he's saying something else. Historically, in an Armored Core game, this is according to him and everybody else that I've, I've looked at talking about this, you couldn't like change your build in the middle of a mission and because of checkpoints you can it's kind of like a bonfire right you get sit there and fiddle around with stuff and mess with stuff and then jump back in the fight so essentially if you go into a boss fight and you get your clock cleaned and you're like oh i want to make some changes you can do that all right he liked how in previous games you kind of had to commit and just press on you're like well this is the build that I have. Now, I'm not a big Armored Core guy, but I continue to think that if a game increases player choice and freedom, it enables adaptation and experimentation. Isn't that kind of the whole point of this game? Everything they've talked about, it's all about customization. It's all about figuring out the best build for a particular mission or for a particular fight, right? Like, pressing on and then having to rerun it with that information of like, oh, my build sucks. I get why they're letting people do this. So I think changing at a checkpoint could be a form of investigation. It could be a form of testing where you're trying things out on a particular fight or mission. And then the real push to go for S tier would come later. Again, Vadi admitted that was essentially the end game, right? Let's say you get about halfway through a mission or you get all the way to the end and you keep using that checkpoint to experiment on the boss. Well, everything you learn in that experimentation, you can then apply to rerun that mission for S tier. Like, I don't think that's taking away from that grind. I think it's feeding that grind. It's equipping you to do the very thing that they've set up for the more hardcore players. 
So in previous games, you could actually also, this is another concern that he had, was debt. There is no debt in this game. In previous games, you could play so poorly, you would go in debt and you'd like lose your character. They'd like go to jail or whatever. They'd get like sold into indentured servitude, I guess. So that will not be in this game. And he said there are more credits in general. You have the ability to replay missions to get credits. You actually can sell parts back for the exact price that you bought them and it leads to just more credits in general. I actually like the idea of spending money on something, you try it out, you don't like it, sell it back and buy something else. I think that's an important thing for games to start to equip players with. I understand that decisions and choices need to be impactful and important, but you can give people paralysis. It's like, well, I don't know what to try. I don't want to try out anything because if I try it and don't like it, well, then now I got to go get more credit. I'm out of credits. I don't have enough credits. No, you can be like, well, I tried it and didn't like it. Let me sell it back. I I think, again, you're empowering people to make those decisions, to experiment. If that's not making the game easier, again, it's making it less tedious. It's making it less inconvenient. And he said that getting more credits in general, it felt like it was by design. So he asked about it. He was like, well, you guys kind of got rid of debt and I've got credits coming out of my ears. He thought that not having, you know, that I'm sorry, they replied and said they thought that too much debt might dampen the fun of the assembly aspect, which is essentially everything I was just talking about, right? Like the aspect of mid-mission checkpoints and loadout changing, I think having more credits and getting your credits back for pieces, I think it all goes hand in hand. They want players to experiment, swap parts, and try new things. Empowering them to do that, I think, is key in it actually happening. Like, you you can't expect new players to figure all this out if they're both confused and poor in the game. If the catalyst to victory and enjoyment is having a good build, you can't make getting a good build arduous, painful, and tedious. Let the combat be that way. Let the fights do that. Let them be the thing that challenge you and beats you up, not the internal workings of the economy of the game. The director did confirm, however, he likes the idea of debt in previous games, and they may revisit it in the future. So I want to grab some choice things from other previews okay so that was that was pretty much everything from Vadi. he loved it i think his concerns were valid i think his feedback was good i thought his i thought his video was excellent so make sure and go check that one out now ign said the following armored core 6 feels like a new beginning for this story franchise one that has benefited from the success and experience gained from from software's other titles but one that is still true to the original vision of the series and then game rant actually had a newcomer perspective so if you're brand new to armored core like me this perspective i think is helpful as a total newcomer to the armored core franchise it was unclear how much of an affinity from from software's other games would translate to fires of rubicon it's the moment to moment gameplay that helps all the other elements of a from software game sing and armored core 6 fires of rubicon is just a blast to play so a newcomer sat down with the preview and walked away saying this was a blast ggrecon.com said for all its undeniable Soulsborne influence Armored Core 6 stands on its own two mechanical feet as an excellent action game in its own right at least so far I look forward to seeing how the mission structure and in-game economy evolve at launch but from what I've played so far FromSoft's streak looks likely 
to continue. And then I saw Yong Yeh's title was just, I've played for five hours and I love it. Like, he loved it. And this thing is getting very, very good praise. The, the thing that really strikes me, especially with this new video, is this just looks like a great action game, even though we know it's probably going to be very challenging and very difficult. It gives a very brief description why you're sent to Rubicon, you're looking for a mysterious new substance. The levels are described as multi-layered stages that have, you know, you using your exceptional movements. They show that you can overwhelm enemies with up to four weapons, like you're actually using the triggers and the bumpers all together. That's going to be kind of interesting. I don't think I've ever played a game where I'm using both my index and my middle finger, uh, like your pointer and your middle finger to like pull on <laughs> both the triggers and the bumpers, but that, that'll be fun to figure that one out. They give a quick brief on there's assault boost. Vadi already gave us a breakdown of that. Using of air and mobility. I think action fans and mech fans are going to find this game very appealing. I think they show uh, that also once you stagger an enemy, every hit's considered a direct hit, so you're really going to want to navigate combat well to capitalize on that. The video then says that creating a mech to fit your playstyle and strategy is critical to success. They move to this massive fight where there's like this huge weapon in the distance firing at you. I kind of already showed that where like they take down this giant monstrosity and seeing the scope and size of the game in action that was something i noticed very early on about this game is the scope and the size of the environments was just breathtaking seeing it in action and that they seemingly maintain good graphical fidelity and performance i'm really excited to play it because obviously you're going to have arena fights like this where you're more in like a nice flat big open area but when you're in the larger fights and approaches and things like that it really gives the world i think a very very cool feel they also show some missions that will have ally armored you know acs with you i I think this game would be so fun co-op to like play through the whole thing co-op but i think that would maybe mess with some of the boss fights some of the fights are clearly meant to be like a 1v1 where you're the only thing drawing aggro so you know co-op would get a little weird so i want to get my thoughts about the combat the graphics and the systems just very quickly Obviously, the main concern from inexperienced players is going to be the difficulty. But from all the previews I read and listened to, it sounds like the fun factor is strong enough to keep folks in the fight. It also sounds like the boss fights are where the pain heats up and decisions have to be made. So from where I sit, the combat looks too good to not give this game a shot. I can honestly say, even looking at old Armored Core games, I've really never seen a game quite like this. They've taken Armored Core up a significant amount like this kind of feels like what they did with doom right we went from like old school doom and like the you know the doom doom 3 that they tried that didn't quite work out and then doom 20 2016 and then doom eternal are just phenomenal okay that's kind of what i look at armored core and see i see a true evolution and i see a true leap forward for their game. The second thing I want to talk about is graphics. I know graphics are not everything, but when a game really sinks its teeth into a really good art style, I absolutely love it. I thought Elden Ring was fantastic. It was not a next-gen game. It was not a next-gen tour de force, and yet the art style made Elden Ring one of the best games I've best-looking games I've ever played. And Armored Core 6 is falling into a similar category. It's difficult to make mechs not look like, you know, mechs, but there's a lot of flair And there's a feel to this game. There's a vibe to this game. It kind of feels like Transformers and Gundam and Dune had a love child. It's kind of what it feels like to me. And I just think it looks awesome. The size and the scope of some of the fights in the areas reminds me of some of the best moments in Elden Ring when you would fly up a spirit spring to a new part of the map. 
Third, I want to talk about the systems, specifically the checkpoints, the fact that checkpoints let you switch your mech, and that there are checkpoints in general, the fact that there's no debt, the fact that there's healing, and the fact that there's hard lock, okay? I get that these four things in particular will likely be criticized by hardcore fans, but it is clear that with both Elden Ring and Armored Core 6, From Software is open to their games being more approachable. That doesn't mean they're going to be easy. It certainly doesn't mean that casuals are going to stroll through the game. Oh, they're just going to checkpoint and heal their way to victory. No, this, this game will be difficult. Experienced Armored Core players are saying there were fights that they just kept losing. It was very challenging, okay? Making things less inconvenient and giving the player more control and giving the player more power actually should allow the devs to increase difficulty, not lower it. As previously stated in another video that I did, checkpoints letting you change your mech and healing, letting you heal, that's going to allow for longer and more challenging missions. If the centrality of this game is is customization to achieve power and S-tier mission runs, then why make it tedious and inconvenient just to get to that point? If it's clear that your build isn't going to work for a boss, what benefit is there in suffering over and over or just starting over? Iron Pineapple, that was his name, not Pineapple Express. <laughs> Iron Pineapple's preview discussed a fight where he changed to two different weapons and the fight completely changed for him. Well, why? Well, he theorized what would work. He tried it and it did. It worked. That to me is a sign of a good game. The fact that he was able to do that, that's the bridge I think that people will love to see. I'm going to I'm going to quote something in in the conclusion from the guys that made Lords of the Fallen. Actually, I'm going to use that quote right now. They said that the difference between motivation and frustration is understanding why you failed. I think that bridge, the bridge being understanding, is so key. And in a game like this, being able to customize your build in the middle of a, a mission or right before you go back into a boss fight, that's going to be key to success, but also just, just, I just think, enjoying the game. So... Now more than ever, I'm looking forward to jumping into Armored Core 6, and based on the previews, I'm willing to bet you are too. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusions. The more I see of Armored Core 6, the more I want to play it. And I I would probably say this even if I wasn't sort of a strange latecomer to FromSoft games, right? Dark Souls 3, Elden Ring, Sekiro, they have things that, you know, somewhat bothered me. And Sekiro converted me at the end in a five-hour final boss fight that almost broke me. I went from wishing I had never played Sekiro to it becoming my top, one of my top five games of all time, right? Even without those experiences, though, I still think I would be interested in Armored Core 6. But my love for Sekiro, I think, is helping because... You can sense the undercurrent of Sekiro's influence in this game, even though it's a completely different game from head to toe. Secondly, I want to talk about the debates, right? The debates about making the game more approachable. I get it. It's understandable. Big fans of Armored Core, they're excited to see the franchise brought back to the main stage. And seeing big changes can be worrying. But From Software took the Souls formula, they put it in the open world, they gave us boss checkpoints, statues, and they gave us summoning, and look how well-praised Elden Ring is. Look how successful Elden Ring was. We have to remember that making things more approachable doesn't make them easier. Even Lords of the Fallen is focused on having an onboarding section for their game. And I love the way they put that. The difference between motivation and frustration is understanding why you fail. I phrase it a little bit differently. The bridge between those two things, 
being frustrated and being motivated the bridge between those two things is understanding and i think empowering players to change things up you know and and adjust their build in the middle of a mission is totally fine that's a bridge between those two things this game can still kick the crap out of you and be very hard but that doesn't mean it needs to be inconvenient tedious and not very approachable Lastly, my conclusion. Armored Core 6 will not reach the levels of hype and popularity that Elden Ring did. I don't necessarily think that that is possible, but it certainly looks to be another great From Software game to bridge the gap between non-fans and fans. The short marketing window is also something I hope influences other companies as well. We don't need to hear about your game in pieces for four and five years. A solid six to 12 month window is really all we need. And from where I sit, Armored Core 6 will also likely get some Game Award nominations. And, you know, I think it could potentially land up on the podium for Game of the Year with the other nominated games. And that's the show open. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Make sure you are smashing that like button. There was just an armory... There was so much information that came out. I, I thought Vadi did such a good job. I just leaned heavily uh, on his video uh, for information. And uh, appreciate you guys so, so much for being here. I think it will surpass it. I think the style of game will draw a bigger crowd than you think. I do not think this game will surpass Elden Ring's popularity. I don't think that that's possible. Um, Elden Ring kind of scratches on multiple uh, itches that that just... it it Elden Ring hit such an amazing status i i cannot see uh i cannot see armor core getting uh to that fact i just don't think so uh in in many cases i think you have games that sort of get to almost they they get to almost a bewildering status like elden ring hit like a crazy crazy fever pitch of popularity that i don't think anybody could have necessarily uh, predicted DK beggar gifts a member and starts the day let's get the member goal going guys don't forget about the reforge roast that we have I don't talk about it as much I just kind of put it in the frame uh, make sure you guys get those orders in you can go to reforgeroast.com or you can use the coffee command or the link below in the description of the video if you've never tried coffee with balanced acidity you should definitely try ours if you're like I don't really like dark roasts this is not a very strong dark roast it's on the lower end of dark roast so be sure to try it out light roast is currently being uh like roasted up and bagged we will have it uh very soon ac is too focused to reach that level yeah i don't think so uh is remnant 2 worth purchasing played it yesterday you can go watch my gameplay of it if you want to see that and then members got to debrief with me after the gameplay so be sure to check that out lighter turnout today armored core has been a weird one it tends to perform better for us when i'm not live because then people have a chance to come in and watch the the monologue i don't know if our base audience is as interested in it so make sure you guys are smashing that like button get us to 200 likes we might be able to get into a nice funnel today and meet a bunch of new people because this title is red red hot and we met a bunch of great people when we covered elden ring and elden ring was also a bit out of my wheelhouse detonator with five gifted members helping us get back we're setting our sights right now on 2500 uh we've got some goals at three at three thousand members we'll do the the beat saber stream if you get to 3500 i'll have to dress up as luke skywalker if you can get back to 4000 my wife will find me a jar jar binks outfit that was something that she was committed to doing so you've got your goals you've got your goals 
good boy, uh, good body with very little bitterness, but enough about Lono. The coffee is really good too. <laughs> good body with very little bitterness. That's good. Uh, Vadi did a really good job, says Eugene. I watched his video all the way through on one times. Sold me completely, but to be fair, I was already pretty sold. Yeah, I really, really appreciated, uh, you know, Vadi's video. I thought it was very helpful. I thought he did a great job breaking down all the things. Now, I skipped all of his commentary on missions because I didn't want any spoilers. So I just sort of jumped to his his thoughts, his feedback. I jumped to his concerns because I thought his concerns were very valid. Like, for people that like PvP, this game's going to be insane. It seems like a balancing... It seems like an absolute balancing nightmare for PvP, right? Armor Core 6 will sell well, says Wheezy. It won't sell as much as Elden Ring. 4500 for a Yoda outfit. Sure, Larry. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, That's pretty much a fact, says Wheezy. I understand the game needs to be more accessible, and I don't care about the lock-on, but I hope they make the high-skill ceiling rewarding for those that don't want to use it. I found it hilarious that... So many of those armored core guys were giving me grief, and it's like, you guys just didn't understand what we were talking about. We were not talking about lock-on, like the soft lock. We were talking about hard lock, which, according to Vadi, that's not in previous armored core games. It's a brand new feature that keeps the camera cemented to the enemy. You you whip around, you fly past them, you they zip past you, and you will always stay you know, locked on to them. The, the, these guys did not understand what I was talking about. It's like b- very experienced Armored Core players went to Reddit and they complained about this. Vadi confirmed it is in the game. It's called hard. Lo- well, he was calling it hard lock. I think it was like target assist. But in any case, it's in the game and it wasn't in the previous games. You miss his breakdown on the different mech movements. Uh, I don't think I missed the. Br- Maybe I did miss that. I just didn't want. I didn't want to get into spoilers about the missions. I, I when I, as soon as I saw him going into details about the missions, I, I skipped over that. I didn't want to hear about that. If someone doesn't make a massive controller unit, I'll be sad. Some of y'all don't remember Steel Battalion. <laughs> did you watch Skillless video this morning? I did not. Which Luke Skywalker is on the table? Oh, I don't know. Young Luke would probably be the funniest, right? He's wearing like a, a white bathrobe, right? Hmm. Uh, that was the problem right there. They went to Reddit. Well, no, they didn't go to Reddit. I found articles. I found videos. I found Reddit posts where Armored Core fans were saying, we don't like this lock-on feature. And I put it in my video, and I had these guys come in, and they're like, lock-on's always been in the game. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, these people are saying you've never been able to do this before, and they just didn't understand what I was saying. Yo, Joker Quinn taking care of Chris F. Chris F. is here all of the time. I wasn't talking about soft lock. We were talking about hard lock. It's a camera function more than an aiming function. It keeps you constantly locked on the enemy, so they stay in front of you. So if they come flying at you and you dodge out of the way, the camera's going to spin you around to stay hard locked on the enemy. And they just didn't get it. And then the one guy like made a video like trying to roast me and it's like your your stupidity doesn't make for a good video. You didn't understand what we were talking about. The lock on looks to have a stat associated with so people can tune it. 
I felt like that was different, Eugene, when he talked about that. What was that called? Uh, the, the, oh, HCS. It was something where there was uh, there were short, medium, and long range assist, and it was that secondary uh, reticle. And he said it helped with missiles locking on faster and accuracy. I. For veteran fans, an OS upgrade that might pique your attention is manual targeting, which restores the classic style of aiming without the help of auto-targeting from earlier entries. Be sure to equip it if you want to do the particular old-school challenge. So you can play it without it. Yeah, you can just turn it off if you don't want to play that. Yeah, FCS. The way that Vadi described FCS, it was like, well, if you invest in that stat, it didn't sound like it was going to help with hard lock. It sounded like it was going to help with all oh, that. I, I got it was at the end of the video. It sounded like it was going to help with this secondary. I'm trying to circle with my mouse. There's this secondary reticle that once it comes center, your your everything your your stuff locks on faster. You're more accurate. You're talking about something different. I know what you're talking about. There were the three stats. Unless, unless there's something completely different that helps with hard lock as a separate stat. So you've got the FCS thing, but then you've got this other stat that you can invest in. The way Vadi was talking about it, it was like he was, if you invested in these stats, depending on if you were, you know, close, medium, or far range, you were going to lock on faster. Your missiles were going to get, you know, going to target quicker. You were going to be more accurate. I have to find the screenshot. The section I'm thinking of, he showed like the three. And they had, like, bars next to them. Sounds like a good dueling tool, but not a good idea if outnumbered. I'm very interested to see what 1v1 duels look like in this game. Because it looks crazy. And to see, like, high-level players play this game 1v1 will probably be be pretty exciting. You know, it's, it's always fun to watch high-level, you know, players play games like this. I think it's always enjoyable. It's like watching really high-level players play Rocket League. It's like it's a different game. It's like that's not the Rocket League I've ever played. FCS is in the oh, it's a fire control system. It helps with accuracy, and you can change the FCS according to your weapons. Uh oh, fight night. Oh gosh. Sounds like they're talking about the OS upgrades. Well, and that was the other thing that I like that Vadi got into is that. You can replay missions and get currency and get these OS, what were they, OS chips, and you use those to, like, upgrade things and change things. I was like, there is a lot here to sink your teeth into. Like, if you really want to go the distance and getting yourself completely decked out with, like, a bunch of different builds... I really liked Iron Pineapple when he was like, yeah, I was playing this one boss fight. I got decimated. I thought, oh, if I switch to these two weapons, it'll really help. I think he was using a grenade launcher and something else. And he said that the grenade launcher was, you know, stunning and staggering them. And then he was able to use the, I think it was like a laser or something. He was able to use that to do the damage. And I was like, that's exactly the reason why you don't want players to be stuck with a bad build. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure if I switch to this this boss fight will go way better, but I can't do it. I got to, you know, I got to go all the way back to the beginning. I I think that's totally fine to empower players to do that. Is that what we call it now? Hard lock? It's just auto-aim, auto-aim for handicap, casual bobs. You should really educate yourself before talking so passionately about something. You don't know what you're talking about. 
Hard lock is not auto aim. Hard lock is literally locking onto the enemy so the camera stays locked on. It's like when you're playing It's like when you're playing any Souls game right now and you lock onto the enemy. It it, it doesn't auto aim for you. It ensures that the enemy stays in front of you. This game doesn't have auto aim. <laughs> this game This game's going to beat the tar out of you. Just because you can keep the camera locked on the enemy doesn't mean it's for casual bobs. When you get a chance, can you address the ultimate gatekeepers, the one decrying a checkpoint system that they don't have to use? I mean, here's the the thing that I don't get. I, I understand it. I do. I understand it. But then I don't understand it, okay? At one level, I understand it. You're really excited that Armored Core is coming back to the main stage. It, it's it's one of your favorite franchises or whatever, okay? So I understand being protective of that, but go play Demon Souls and then go play Elden Ring, okay? Is the fact that there are boss checkpoints, the little statues, okay? Is that make does that make Elden Ring easier than Demon Souls? Does it? I don't think it does. I don't think it does. Now, if you use summoning, well, you could argue well, that, yeah, that makes it easier. But the checkpoint doesn't make it easier. It makes it less inconvenient. It's like, well, I can go back and fight this boss now, right now, instead of having to run through 18 enemies and down through a, 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 a shaft and up a flight of stairs and watch out for the exploding barrels for the 17th time. No, I can just keep going back into the boss fight. Like... I I don't think people understand that giving people approachability lanes doesn't make it easier. There's a difference between making something easier and making it more approachable. It it's like I'm trying to think of an example in the real world. Like making something more approachable would be like, well, we have this really really hard rock wall to climb. And every 10 feet, there's a resting point. So you can, like, get your bearings on where you're going. You're like, well, that's going to make it so much easier. Not necessarily. You could still have incredibly difficult climbs ahead. In fact, you might be able to make some of those climbs even harder because you're allowing people to get to a quote-unquote checkpoint. So the same thing could be applied to Armored Core 6. If, if, if you're going to play Armored Core 6 and then be like, well, the checkpoints make it easier, you're, you're jumping to a conclusion. They could use those checkpoints to say, well, since we let the player jump right back in, we can make this fight take way longer. We can make this fight way harder because we're not making them rerun through all these areas. The checkpoint allows them freedom in game design, says Eugene. It allows them to make more difficult sequences. People are dumb AF. The... Oh, hang on. And look at how much easier DES is because you don't get checkpoints. Right, like, if... I've not played through Demon Souls, so I couldn't tell you if it's easier or harder. But I would hazard a guess there are some crazy boss fights in Elden Ring that are not present in Demon Souls with respect to size, scope, and difficulty and just how punishing they are. Probably coming from a guy who's played most of the series prior to Elden Ring. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Lord Gor- Lord Gorgeous? Demon Souls is the easiest, hands down. 
more options equals better use checkpoints if you want if you don't want to use them don't I want to slap all the gatekeepers we uh, ravens should just be cool and let more people in I think you meant to say gamers we gamers demon souls is jank well alright Elden Ring is the easiest well Elden Ring can be the easiest if you use summoning if you decide to just not use summoning at all Elden Ring as it's designed you have to you have to pinpoint what makes a game easier okay you have to pinpoint what it is so in Elden Ring if you're like oh Elden Ring's way easier why oh because of the summoning well that has nothing to do with what we're talking about we're talking about checkpoints checkpoints don't make Elden Ring easier oh Ravens is an AC term oh okay I thought maybe it was an autocorrect he's saying he's he's saying we Ravens okay I get it we should be we should we should be accepting and I, I understand what you're saying now here's an analogy cars with auto start and stop systems to save gas are not going to burn out their starter they're engineered in starters that could do all those extra starts I don't get I'm not connecting to that analogy why not play the game you want to play and let others play the way they want to play it I mean it's not like we're talking about speedrunners. well here's the thing right I think what happens is is people interpret these types of changes they interpret them as that's basically easy mode right remember us arguing about summoning an Elden Ring and we always talked about how Elden Ring basically put in easy mode but they made it dynamic and they made it sort of subjective to the players choices when I played through Elden Ring with summoning teach a literally fought bosses for me that's pretty easy okay (laughs) you go back and you play Elden Ring without summoning and the game completely changes especially when you have like a 2v1 fight or you have a fight like Margot you're not not getting away from those fights as as easily as or unscathed they're going to be tough they're going to beat the tar out of you Demon Souls is a joke comparatively, and I love Demon Souls, says Eugene. Demon Souls literally has a boss where all you need uh, is a sword that can strike a flying enemy down by basically auto-locking onto them. You literally press a button and you kill it. Paul says, more people being able to complete a game is not a bad thing. I don't necessarily want to go down that road, Paul. It's not about saying... Well, more people can play it or beat it. That's the common axiom used by those who defend easy mode and want difficulty settings in FromSoft games. I I don't want to go down that lane because I think that's too broad. I think there are two different categories. There's the category of making a game easier. Oh, we put it in easy mode. We put it in a mode, like, my kids would play games like Spider-Man or Ratchet, and you can put it on story mode, and they literally can't die, okay? It's basically god mode, and they just call it story mode, okay? You can't die. You're not killable. I did that for my daughter in Chia. In Chia, you can make it to where you never get fully exhausted, and like, I think you can drown in that game, maybe? I'm not really sure what can happen in Chia, but I, I checked the box that was like, I don't want her to, to have any trouble with this. I just want her to have fun. So, I don't think that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about like, oh, where more people are going to beat the game because it's easier. No. More people will potentially play and beat the game because it's more approachable. 
those are those are completely separate categories they're not they're not in, they're not in the same ballpark you got, oh you explain the analogy up above hang on Zubair says they didn't add checkpoint checkpoints to an old AC game they built a new AC game incorporating checkpoints got it yo do Devas comes in with a 10 bomb taking us to 117. Guys, Stonespire has committed that if you can get us to 2,900 members, he'll slam home the final 100, which means you guys need to get about four or 500 members, and this man will slam home 100 all on his own. So thank you, Dodevas, for getting us a little bit closer. Every 25, I give five back. When I gift the five that I owe you, like yesterday I gifted 20, because I owed you 20, that goes into the pile that pushes Stonespire closer to the uh, to the 2,900. So, yeah, I get what, what Zubair is saying. Zubair's like, look, they didn't go back to your old AC games and add checkpoints. That that would make those games insanely easier, right? You could just get a checkpoint, and then you could change your build, and it would completely damage the fabric of those old games. Zubair's like, well, no, they didn't do that. That's not what they did. They built a brand new game, and the game is built in a, I would imagine, in a holistic way. So checkpoints, healing, being able to change your loadout, all of these things are built in a way where they're probably saying, hey, I tell you what, they can jump right back into these boss fights now. So we can make the boss fights longer. In the past, you wouldn't want to do that. Right? You wouldn't you would not want to do that. You'd want to be like, well no, if they die, they've got to rerun this entire area before getting to the boss. Therefore, we do not want the boss fights to be that loud. Any premiere video today? We're gonna be diving into Ratchet and Clank on the PC to test it out and see how it's running. Eighteen total members on the day, a gifted member from DK Bagger. Thank you so much, DK Bagger. And it goes to Poet Anderson. Eugene says the missions can be longer, the sequences can be more difficult, the missions can have more variety within themselves because of checkpoints. I, 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 yeah, I think people are missing that element that, you know, and, and, and Vadi's point was he liked the idea of kind of having to just like press on. If you have a build that's not working, you're like, well, I, I've, I've just gotta, I've just gotta press on. His issue wasn't with checkpoints. He actually didn't feel like checkpoints were the problem. He said, it just makes it more convenient. It, it's not It's not making it easier. He basically said that you, this game is, is going to beat you up. This game is going to beat the tar out of you. And, and having checkpoints isn't going to negate that. But then he took issue with the fact that you can change your loadout at the checkpoint. That he did not like. Because in his mind, like, nope, that's the build you chose. You chose that build, finish the mission with that build. Obviously, my pushback is, play that way if you want. If you think that feels good, then self-impose that restriction. No one's making you change your build. Nobody's doing that. You're, it's obviously very tantalizing. It's sitting there staring at you. And after a couple of fights, you probably know what you need to change. You're like, yeah, I need to change to this weapon or oh, I need to change this to make me a little bit faster or whatever. So, you, but you but you don't have to do it. You could just be like, no, I'm self-imposing 
the old school armored core feel. I'm gonna beat this level till I'm till till I'm done. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this level. I'm sorry until I beat it with the build that I originally chose. And the thing that he talked about was replaying the missions for the S tier ranking. That's that was in in Vadi's mind. He's like, that's the true end game. Well, one of the best ways to do that is to be like, hey, I, I I got to this boss. My build was bad. I made some changes. I learned some good lessons. Now I think I've got a build to run through the whole thing and go for S tier. Because I'm imagining if you want S tier, you're not going to want to die. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that if you die and go back to a checkpoint, you're not getting S tier on that mission. I think that's a fair assumption. The dev said that you could beat the story with a basic mech. Yo, what's good, Feed? I see you in the chat. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's going to be insane people that beat this game with a basic mech or never get hit or... I don't know if you can never get hit in a game like this. It seems like it might be a little bit too intense for that. We talking AC boss checkpoints. Like Assassin's Creed, the old linear gameplay didn't allow us to freely change gear. We had to go to a safe house and then go back and redo the mission. YouTube Lurker says, That was my point about checkpoints. Self-imposed. Don't make me play like you. Walking back to the boss fight for the 100th time, knowing... I will not be adapting or changing my strategy in any way. Yeah, it's literally a meme in Elden Ring. That's right. <laughs> That's really good, too. Christian Bale and American Psycho just walking right back in. Yep. That's right. <laughs> you have to speed run, uh, and stopping to change your build isn't going to help with that. Oh, so S tier is about speed. I thought it was about efficiency as well. I didn't know it was just speed. Each checkpoint has its own background score. Your mission scorecard is an average of those checkpoints. So yeah, if you aim for S rank, you need to do well from beginning to end. But I so I would imagine stopping and changing your build would make it near impossible to get an S tier unless you're really quick at it and you know exactly what you need to change maybe. Von Raz says people don't understand that in every FromSoft game the devs put everything to make each level easy uh, each level easy or as hard in Dark Souls you could beat the game with a stick I'm sure you can do the same in Armored Core Wheezy says speed and efficiency yo what's good Stone Spire says let's hit the like button y'all I told him about your challenge Stone Spire get us a 2900 and you'll do the final 100 Cowboy says been listening at work Lono so thank you again for the stream but yeah a checkpoint I would like also yeah to me it's 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 not about making the game easier. It's just making it less inconvenient. Like, that was one of the things I remember. I did two false starts with Hollow Knight. And finally, someone was like, how do you not like Hollow Knight? Because I loved Ori in the Blind Forest. And they told me, they are like, you have to get these two items. What was it? The compass and the quill, I think. And once I got those items, everything changed. I just felt like I would, it was aimless. I didn't know where to go. I literally did two false starts with with uh, with Hollow Knight. And so, but once I had those things, it didn't make Hollow Knight any easier. There are aspects of Hollow Knight that are very challenging, and there are fights that can be pretty tough. But what it did was it made the game more approachable. It's like, well, now I know what in the heck I'm doing, as opposed to you know feeling lost or feeling stuck. 
what I remember the last time I played Demon Souls remake I really wanted to go back and play it after playing Elden Ring and the combat and the movement just felt so clunky it felt very dated and then I got to a boss and I died and I was all the way at the beginning of the level and I was like I can't do it I can't do it my like Elden Ring it it it, it I want to say it's the wrong word, but it's the only word. I, I Elden Ring kind of spoiled me. It's like, yep, you got to the boss. He's insane, and he breathes fire and and throws stuff at you, and you're and then oh, you're dead, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, now I want to get back in there and learn the fight, and instead of having to rerun the whole level, I get to jump right back in and learn the fight. You can be way more punishing. You can be a lot more punishing to the player if you give them a checkpoint. If I don't have a checkpoint and I go into the fight and you surprise me with some attack or you surprise me with some phase two, come on, man. That's ridiculous. I just do many bar. Oh. I. Now it's crooked. The tape, the 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 desk was in it. Hang on. It was going to drive me crazy. <laughs> I kept looking up and seeing like a sliver of the desk in the camera shot. It was going to drive me crazy. There's like a sweet spot for the camera and I must have bumped it off of the sweet spot. I think people forget that if you don't want to use a certain feature, you don't have to. Don't like changing loadouts. Cool. Don't use them. Don't like story mode. Then don't play it. It's simple, says Raptor. Eugene says, back on the checkpoint comparison, Demon Souls has stage and worlds. To progress, you have to beat a stage. There's not a ton of freedom in your progression in that system, but then they introduced Campfire. Oh, they introduced Campfire checkpoints in later games, which allowed more open-level design. Yeah, like, if you think about it, that was a, that was a mechanic that was introduced that was new. That enabled them to do more that enabled them to create more winding more interwoven more intricate level designs because why well you're not going to go all the way back to the beginning it also creates new avenues for shortcuts Uh, that was something i remember specifically in dark souls 3 i remember getting a shortcut that wasn't getting me back to the beginning it got me to a bonfire is it oh the bonfire i just found you know, seven to ten minutes ago, I just got a shortcut back to that bonfire. So if I die, I can take a left, I can run right over here and come up to fight the boss. They were already doing it. They were already sort of priming the pump for boss checkpoints in Dark Souls 3. Because there were numerous times I remember getting shortcuts so that the bonfire was essentially a boss checkpoint. Two lefts, run past the dum-dums, 
push through the fog wall. You're in. It's time to fight. Right? They simplified it in Elden Ring. It was like, now nah, we're just going to put a little statue outside the fog wall. Here you go. You're back in the fight. And I believe, and this is and this is where the whole is Armored Core 6 a Souls game? Well, it it, it no, it isn't, but it also is. Here, hang on. Let me make sure the coffee alert's on. There we go. From level design's top tier. Yeah, like you have you have stuff like this. You have things like this, this large of an area, this large of a of a fight and an, and an event, and you're worried about checkpoints. Do you know what I'm saying? You're you, you're taking down an an ATAT that belongs in the movie Dune, and and you're worried about checkpoints. Like, come on, man. You don't got to worry about any of that. The checkpoints are probably going to enable them to do way more. Way, way more. It looks majestic. Yeah. The only thing I'm, I'm kind of watching in the clips is, you know, what, what happens when you run out of energy when you're, like, way up in the air. You know what I mean? Do you still softly fall? Or do you, uh, or, you know... Or do you come crashing down to the ground? It looks like it regens at a pretty good clip. So even if you're pretty high up, you get enough. You know, you get you have enough to like soften your landing. We're talking about checkpoints. Checkpoints. I'm supposed to be the franchise player. We're talking about checkpoints. Hey, what's good? What's good, Angel? How are you? We're talking about practice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you fall. I'm assuming you can build to, to make sure your energy is replenishing at a faster rate, right? You can build like your your loadout so that you're able to zip around more and get your get your energy back up. Basically like a high, it's like a high stamina build, high refresh on your stamina because it's essentially what energy is to a certain degree. You turn into a brick and you slam into the deck. Depending on the past titles, a mission like that would have been a late game mission. That one is early. So imagine how crazy late game missions will be. Fextra said there are some instances where gravity is the enemy. Really? Fextra Life said that. That's classic FromSoft. I remember my first bout with Demon Souls. And I remember dying to, I think it was an exploding barrel. And some guy like throws a, a thing at the exploding barrel. And then I remember being like, oh, okay, that's kind of cheeky. And then I remember running it back and then I fell off of a ledge and I was like, <laughs> so I guess the levels are also part of the threat. They're like, yeah, you're, you're not just fighting enemies. You're fighting the level. I remember that being both illuminating, but also frustrating. It was like, I didn't realize that there were going to be like, you know, traps and, and tricks and, you know, not false walls, but I felt like when the one guy exploded me, that felt like a pretty mean trick to play on the player. Been busy, private message you. Yeah, yeah, just send me a DM. I don't think just because you take some general features that worked in Souls games and put them into Armored Core, does it make Armored Core into a Souls games? It's just improving Armored Core. Well, I I, I argued this in a, in a past video. I said, Armored Core 6 is not a Souls game, but it is, right? It isn't. It is not a Souls game. Like, this is not Souls. This is like 
Returnal meets Mech Fight meets Sekiro meets Souls, right? <laughs> so, but at the same time, it, it's a Souls game. You have a certain number of heals. You have really, really tight windows to dodge the damage. You have telegraphed attacks, highly telegraphed attacks, according to Vadi. You have checkpoints, so you can get right back into the fight. You know, you're going to be looking for those checkpoints. Like, come on. It, it underneath the surface there are souls elements that doesn't make it a souls game right let's take remnant 2 as an example I played remnant 2 yesterday with you guys there are souls elements in remnant 2 so it's not a souls game but it kind of is like there's elements there of you get the checkpoint when you hit the checkpoint you rest and then you get your heals back and you get your stuff back and you get to replenish and all the enemies come back okay I mean that's that's a souls thing you know and so those elements and those influences are here I mean Vadi basically said it he was like from software's modern approach to gaming you can definitely feel it in Armored Core 6. You can feel they're continuing to sort of embrace more modern gaming tropes, but that doesn't mean they're embracing making games easy. If anything, I think they're probably making their games harder. If you know, Traditionally, if you look at their games and the evolution of their games, they're probably getting harder over time. And I wonder if the reason people don't think that is because you're so experienced you don't sense the jump in difficulty as much because you kind of are already adept at certain things. Eugene says, name a non-previous Armored Core game that doesn't let you change loadouts upon death. What did Russell say? I don't mind checkpoints, but being able to change your loadout upon death is pretty odd compared to most games. Do you mean compared to most AC games, or you mean compared to most games in general, Russell? Because I, I feel like what Eugene's saying is pretty true. If I die in most games, I can, I can change what I'm doing. Five gifted members from Aaron Claypool taking us to twenty-three slowly climbing our way back to greatness thank you so much for doing that Aaron Claypool it goes to Russell Stewart and 8 Legion I love seeing names like that Jason and Reg and Daz seeing names that I recognize get gifted members thank you thank you guys so much for doing that you're at like the 24 2500 range if you can get to 2900 Stone Spire will slam home the final 100 you just described God of War in what way I don't. I've I've said a lot of things. I don't know what kind of what kind of lane or line that I said that made you think that. Are people against changing loadouts? Well, it's it's not that people are against changing loadouts, Leonidas. They're looking at the previous games and they're saying, "Thank you for another gifted member, Joker Quinn, pushing us to 24." They're looking at the previous games and they're saying that was one of the challenges. You would go into a mission with your loadout and if you got like halfway through the mission and you were you were very clearly seeing like I'm not this isn't going to work. You would just had to stick it out. And in this game if you die, you'll come back at a checkpoint and you can like change your loadout. You're like, "Yeah, I 
Let me try something new. Melrose with 30 months. That's a big membership, and it's a VIP. Welcome back, Melrose Mike. Uh... Hilly says, when talking about respect costs in D4, you and Eugene push back. It needs to be meaningful. But in AC6, allowing swapping builds, low no cost is okay. Why is it different? Well, because they're completely different game types. So my argument in the context of Diablo 4 was, if you get all the way to like level 80, and you can just push a button and have a completely different loadout, you're basically not investing in a build. Right now, I never said that it should be painful. I said that it should it should be at some level there should be an element of pain motivation to say I don't just do this willy nilly. I don't just change my build on a whim. Right, and the difference with Armored Core is the centrality of the game is changing your build. They're different games. Like the centrality of Diablo is not changing your build. It's getting loot to improve your build. They're different. They're completely games entirely. Like from the earliest of interviews, they have said that the central center stage piece of Armored Core is the customization. You changing your mech in order to beat the fight, the mission, the challenge ahead. Right? That's not the way Diablo is set up. You can't push a button to do that even if respect was free. You don't have the gear in D4. Right, but I still feel like the spirit of these games is just entirely different. DK Beggar is going to walk it all the way home. Single gifted member takes us to 25. Thank you so much, DK Beggar. They're completely different games. Like, you're not going into... Like, let's say you're level 75 in Diablo 4. And you suddenly decide your friend tells you about this build. And you want to completely change your build. Okay? My argument was that should come at some form of a cost that's linked to the content loop. If you're playing Diablo 4, you should be able to do that and then recoup the cost fairly easily. DK Beggar going to be the agent of chaos. So he takes us a 25 and then he takes us past it. Thank you so much, DK Beggar. The next goal being 50. You're the man. And there is a cost In Armored Core, you do have to spend your credits to get different pieces and parts to try out those builds. Now, you can sell those pieces and parts back for the exact same amount of money that you bought them for, and that some people took issue with. Using a checkpoint costs money. Right, so even even if you are going to be using the checkpoint and you will be making changes to your loadout, it's going to be costing you some level of currency. It's not totally free. Now, you can't go into debt in this one. They did say they got rid of that. In previous Armored Core games, you could go so far into debt that your you know your character was gone. Five gifted members from Parasito. Thank you so much, Parasito. Taking us to 31 on the day. Thank you very much, sir. It hurts your mission score as well, which hurts your payout. Right, so you're paying to use the checkpoint, you're paying for new parts, you're changing your loadout, you're lowering your score on the mission, which means you're getting less payout at the end. So, it's not it's not totally free. In this, in this discussion, I wasn't saying that, oh, you should be able to change your build willy-nilly, it shouldn't cost anything. I was saying, 
enabling people to do it is totally fine. You're enabling the player to have the freedom to adapt. So you go into the boss fight, you get your butt kicked, you realize you need to change your build, you need to change your legs so you're faster, you need to change your weapons so they do more damage or more stagger or whatever the case may be, and you're enabled to do that, but that doesn't mean it's totally free. You could do the same thing in Diablo. You could say, hey, I, I don't like this build. It's not really working in the end game, or it's not really working for, for, for dungeon rhythm. I'm playing mostly by myself. I want to respect. You can do it. I just never thought that it should be 100% free. Yo, the go-ahead goal and the agent of chaos YouTube lurker takes us to 51 just like that slams home a 20 bomb moves us forward to the next goal with his 20 gifted members if you guys just got a gifted member make sure and say thank you to youtube lurker make sure you're subscribed to the channel make sure you're in the discord as a member we're gonna come up with some things and incentives for you guys to bump up to member plus it's one dollar and it takes you out of the gifted member pool i'm coming up with some ideas i'm thinking about letting you guys come to one VIP stream a month if you bump up to member plus I'm like yeah you guys can check it out the first Friday of every month will let you guys come along to the VIP streams maybe it convinces you to become a VIP but at the very least we need folks to start jumping out of that gifted pool start getting committed six dollars and then you got the whole month like creature said it's a cup of coffee and then you're supporting the channel you're making room for more folks to get gifteds so consider upgrading to member plus if you're one of the lucky folks that continue to get gifted memberships. <clears throat> Thank you again, YouTube Lurker. Oh, and the good news, Hilly, about respect costs in Diablo is they're lowering them. And I always said that the cost, if it was too much, if it was too disruptive or too painful, they should lower the cost. I, I simply was in support of there being a cost. There should be some semblance of cost when you're going to make that dramatic of a change to your character and your build. It shouldn't just be something that you do for free. I like how Lono didn't shut down my Charlie Chaplin mustache idea for 3,000 members. Get off the game best here. I did shut that down. I'm not doing that. No more facial hair, no more hair. We're going to do fun stuff. We're going to do goofy stuff like Beat Saber dressed as Luke Skywalker. That's those are your goals, by the way. Those are your goals. At at uh, at three thousand, I'll play Beat Saber again because I I think it's funny. At thirty five hundred, I got to dress up as Luke Skywalker. At four thousand, my wife's got to find a Jar Jar Binks outfit for me, and we'll see if you guys can get there. You must know this: found a bug in Diablo Four Seasonal Blessings that is costing you a lot of gold. Oh golly. Um. I'll never understand the whole it's meaningful to not allow me to respec or have checkpoints or let me change loadouts. I'm completely against the whole thing costing so much because it doesn't add anything to the game but gatekeeping or preventing variety. I support both things, Leonidas. I support I support the idea that you should be able to make changes to your character. You should be able to make changes to your character, but it shouldn't be easy or free. It should cost something. Short shorts, Beat Saber. Oh, that's right. That's what my wife said. That's what my wife said. At 3,000, it'll be Beat Saber in the outfit I wore for Just Dance. 3,500, it's Luke Skywalker. 
4,000, it's Jar Jar. That's what it was. That's what it was. It's not just me playing Beat Saber. We'll bring back the Just Dance short shorts outfit. And if you keep going up, you can make me dress as Jar Jar because I hate him. <laughs> I love you, man. Uh, but I never want to see you without a beard ever again. Scarred me for life. So we get punished with short shorts. <laughs> well, you can go past that. You can go past the punishment of, uh, of short shorts. And uh, let me see something here. Let me see if we can get it. Okay, cool. I'm going to get this ready to... Nope. It was going to let me do it, and then it stopped. That was weird. It started to update Ratchet, and then it stopped. 15 months from Omar, using my milestone to beg you to not dress up as Jar Jar. Who has a picture of Lono Beardless? You got to go back a couple of uh, a couple of streams, and I don't have a beard. The goatee played. <laughs> I didn't like the goatee as much as the mustache. The goatee made me look like Steven Seagal. I didn't like it. I liked the mustache. I thought the mustache played. I thought the 5 o'clock shadow kind of played. Yo, Fozimoto, thanks for jumping in as a VIP. You the best. Part of the design of the game is specifically for you to invest in your character's build, not invest in one build, and now you have all the builds whenever you want. That's a quick way to kill interest faster. Goatee played in a still image. On stream, I was against it. Okay. (laughs) No beard, short shorts with the Jar Jar head. No, 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 no. We're not we're not doing anything more with the hair. I'm actually getting a haircut this uh this weekend. It's out of control. <clears throat> Why everyone hate Jar Jar? Cause he's terrible. Parasito says, I think what it does is make you as the player understand what's in your armory and think ahead of your fights. Well, I think if you're gonna play a game like this. There's, there has to be a way for you to figure things out that isn't literally just failure. Did, they, uh, did the preview say what platform they captured and got to play on? It sounded like it was PC. I think Iron Pineapple said he was using an Xbox controller, but he didn't say he was playing on an Xbox. That tells me he was likely playing on a PC. Um... I mean, we, I, I, I don't know about everybody else. I refuse to sit back and allow this Jar Jar slander to continue. Well, hey, get us... Listen, you guys will have to do it in August. You know, July, you can set up the runway right now. Set up the runway, get us back to 3,000. But then August, that's your time to get us back to 4K. And then if you don't want Jar Jar slander, then, you know, make me dress up best. <laughs> um... Leonidas says, what kills interest for me the fastest is not allowing variety. Well, I don't necessarily think Solemn is against variety. I think what he's saying is part of the design of the game is specifically for you to invest in your character's build, not invest in one build, and now you have all the builds whenever you want. Well, the way you can sell parts, though, Solemn, you will be able to sort of potentially just completely leave a build behind and buy a bunch of new parts because you get all of your money back. Oh, they said it was PC. Okay. Literally hundreds, if not thousands of parts to play with, says Eugene. You need relative freedom to play in a sandbox like that. 3,000 should be the floor chat. We can keep it there, no problem, says YouTube Lurker. It's my man. Hilly says, I agree to a point. 
Going sideways and backwards at a cost in a game never makes sense to me. Like, changing has a cost of normally more playtime in the loops, not just smashing buttons in a UI. Diablo 4 should be free while not balanced, and in my opinion, reducing respect for cost 40% shows they are wrong. The gear gathering is the time sink. That's the game looting the gear, not clicking buttons in the UI. I haven't played Armored Core 6, but sounds like you gain resource and you buy stuff and you get refunds on gear you don't like. Diablo 4 gives you materials, but double dips. Yeah, again, I just think they're different games, so they're going to approach it differently. I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Can we play Ratchet yet? Like, it acted like it was going to let me update it, and it says not released. I'm assuming it's going to release in the next hour? Maybe? Again, I'm, I'm assuming. They're saying it's out right now, and I, I can't I can't get it to update. It says it's not released yet. I'm going to reboot Steam. Plot twist. Lono comes to have a new respect for Jar Jar and begins to come around to the prequels. That's n- not going to happen. <laughs> Soldier says, you would have folks stopping between every fight and changing their build. There needs to be some cost if it doesn't get ridiculous. If he plays Beat Saber as Luke Skywalker, the drink better be blue. Oh yeah, we could look up drinks. I could make a blue drink for that night, YouTube Lurker. That would be funny. Make it look like the blue milk. (laughs) My current example in Diablo, I'm missing so much currency now, and I don't have enough materials to imprint my Blade Dancer aspect. It killed motivation for me to play the game. Zelda Starfield and Spider-Man 2, three big juggernauts. I mean, there's a lot of big games coming out this year. I mean, it, it's it's a good it's a good year for gaming in general. It's a good year for gaming, it really, really is. Okay, it's going now. I rebooted Steam and, and Ratchet's now going. Okay. I wonder. Lono's down in the prequels. How does he feel about the sequels? I don't I don't like them much either. I don't. I like Rogue One and Andor. We can't talk Star Wars. We can't do that. You guys can't take me off off topic. That'll that'll hurt us. We can't we can't do that anymore. That's what member streams are for. Um, I hundred percent don't think we can compare Diablo to AC. It's just different. Like the Armored Core is literally telling you to change your build constantly. That's the point of the game. The point of the game is not to just dig into a build and stick it out. Diablo is more of a stacking build. You you go, 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 and you get all the way to the end game. Like, look at the way that you get to level 50 and then you do the Paragon board. You're not supposed to be constantly changing your build in Diablo. That's not the centrality of the game. Ergo, it should cost something. Because if not, what are you going to do? You could totally cheese games like Diablo if it costs nothing. I'm not saying it should be so arduous and so painful that nobody. Oh, did you get? Was there a ping from Steam? Steam made a noise. I didn't even know Steam did that. It was a download starting notification. That I I thought I had all notifications turned off in this. That must be something new. I don't think I've ever heard. I don't think I've ever heard sounds from Steam before in my life. Eugene says, Diablo would let you change builds mid-dungeon if there wasn't a cost. Yeah, you could, like, play a certain way all the way to one section. Play a sound when notification toast is displayed. No, I don't want any sounds. Okay, I turned sounds off. Sorry about that. 
newest Steam updated added some noises. Have to disable them again. That's got to be one of the most frustrating things in software updates. Hey, we updated this app. Cool. And it's going to do a bunch of stuff that you, you don't want it to do. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Le- leave me alone, bro. <laughs> hmm. The focus is for you to invest in a bill. That's how they want you to play and design the game. That is specifically why they disincentivize you from changing it after a certain point and paying. What game are you talking about, Solemn? Are you talking about Diablo? Or are you talking about Armored Core? Which game are you talking about? I just went on a search for where the noise came from in my office. (laughs) I should just play random noises and be like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. I didn't hear anything. Just like randomly, you've got mail. Like the real old school, you've got mail. People are like, huh? (laughs) The old dial-up sound. And I'd be like, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't hear anything. It wasn't me. It's a ghost in the machine. It's your computer. It, it, It isn't me. Please don't. When you get Discord notifications, I'm confused for a good five minutes. (laughs) I have Discord muted. I went in and turned all that off. That should not happen anymore. By the way, guys, Armored Core is a little weird for us. Lighter turnout today. Smash that like button. Get us to 300 likes. That definitely helps when we're having a bit of a slower day and a slower turnout. It also, I took a week off, so it'll take us a minute to kind of get back into the rhythm of showing up on people's homepages and stuff. There's always about a week or two of of punishment. It's good that we're on the verge of a new month, too. We'll roll over into August, and it should reset everything. Bring the bell song back. No, I skip past that one. Do you know how I skip past it, Barrier? I play that one first every day, and then I skip. So it's at the end. It's at the end of the playlist, basically, when it loops, so we never hear it. There's one or two others that I would like to skip. But the problem is, is if I make a new playlist and remove them, then I won't get any new songs that they add to the playlist because they're adding new songs all the time. Like if you go right now to the playlist that I like using, the Synthwave by Streamtunes one, and if I sort by uh, date added, they added a bunch of stuff back in December. Well, that was seven months ago, but I wouldn't have gotten those songs when they added them back in December. Uh, so that's the only bad thing about, uh, going in and like customizing the playlist. Welcome to name that sound. That's right. That's what you get for wanting to spend time with your family instead of spending time with us. No, no. In times past when we took time off, it was a lot harder to to, to kind of bounce back. It was a lot harder. We'd have 200 people hanging out and membership would be way, way down. That did not happen this time. We're in a much better position. Like, YouTube's not as punishing because we're, we're able to do uploads while I'm gone. And, you know, we, we'll, we'll bounce back probably a lot faster. In times past, it would take us two to three weeks to bounce back. I bet you it takes us a week, maybe, maybe two, maybe, you know. There's also big things coming and that'll help. There's, you know, there's big news coming. There's big, there's big games on the horizon. So marketing will start to increase for certain things. Hopefully Starfield starts to do more than weird cartoons. Um, but yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about. We're Lono's family now. That's right. 
Oh, Solemn says, I was talking about Diablo. Armored Core hasn't really ever been about sticking to a build. Okay, yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I thought you were talking about Armored Core. I was like, everything about Armored Core is you're changing your build constantly. That's the way to be successful, right? Constantly might be an overstatement. You're changing your build quite regularly. Trill Troll with 13 months and it's a VIP. Hey, welcome back, Lono. I actually had to work almost two weeks because of you. I hope you had a great vacation and fought the heinous vampire allegations and spent plenty of time on the beach. I did. I was on the beach quite a bit. I didn't get a tan, though. I'm all about I'm all about sunscreen. You're going to do AC split screen? I don't know if we'll ever bring split screen out of retirement. I, You know, I, it would be fun to do fight nights with you guys. We always talked about doing that in... Uh, we talked about doing that in Elden Ring. I think the real problem is, is it just... It just is such a narrow appeal. You need people that want to do it, that want to play and fight against each other. And then you need people that want to watch that. Like, I, do, I just don't know. We, we entertain the idea for Elden Ring... And we just never did it. I feel like Friday nights are just better suited to you just come hang out. Madam and I are chatting, talking, kind of AMA. It's humorous. We'll do. I have these trivia cards we do, you know, and then we play a game. Where'd you go on vacation? We've not been saying where we went. We just went to a beach house. It was for my dad's retirement. Lono picked a great time to go on vacation. I had to go do some state reporting, so I was super productive when I needed it most. Now back to doing the bare minimum. That's right, that's right. In Armored Core, changing your build is part of mission prep and the important resource management. And and the important resource management. Unless for some reason they change that in this one. Well, no, I think the big change is going to be that you can change your build mid-mission at a checkpoint. So... People like Lono don't tan, they burn. I actually do tan. I do. I have to ease into it though, because I will burn. But I can get it. I can get pretty dark. It. I just don't, because I. I don't like to. <laughs> it's bad for your skin, and it takes too long. You know, and, and when I was growing up, like summer camps and stuff, like I. I would. I would kind of burn maybe a little bit, and then all of a sudden, I would. Out of my brothers, I was the only one that ever was even remotely dark pretty dark for me right like you know you wouldn't suddenly think i was not you wouldn't suddenly think i was not a a white guy from northern ohio but you'd be you would be able to tell that i had been in the sun and i wouldn't look like a lobster it's just when you're this light complected you have to ease into it or you will burn so you have to like slowly slowly let it happen you got to put sunscreen on and then instead of reapplying, you stay in the sun a little bit longer than you're supposed to. And then your skin your skin will darken up a teeny bit. And then you do it again. And then you do it again. It's, I don't want to do that. I don't freaking care. <laughs> I don't mind being light-complected. It doesn't bother me. Kaipachi with two months of membership. I think this AC will be the highest selling since even the previews are doing 5 to 7 million clicks. AC 5 never hit 1 million. Yeah, I actually think this will be the most successful Armored Core game. I don't think that's deniable. I don't think it'll pass Elden Ring. There were people speculating that it might pass Elden Ring this morning, and I was like, no, that's not possible. Elden Ring's kind of in a league on its own. <clears throat> Fighting the urge to make a being dark is bad for your health joke. <laughs> it's bad for your skin. Well, I get it. I get it. 
My dad's from Akron. I can attest that I have some uh, very pasty family. Yeah, it's just it's it's not a uh, we're not we're not the outdoorsy types up there. There's not a lot of reason to be outside for very long. And so you're generally more light complected, and then if you go to Cedar Point, you get a sunburn on your nose <laughs> and your neck because <laughs> you forget to put sunscreen on. So, okay, hang on one second. Let's see if this is playable. It should be. Yo, what's good, work and lurk? Or for people like me, bathe in sunscreen and then don't go in direct sunlight in order to not burn. I'm just like a vampire in that respect. Yeah. Right, let's see if this game works. If this game works. We may. I think we're going to end up having to bail early. Your GPU is compatible with the game, but for the best experience, we strongly recommend using newer drivers. Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. There are new drivers out. Hang on, I'll have to, I'm gonna do that now. I I saw that pop up. Um, I saw that pop up uh, a couple of days ago, and I didn't do it. I was trying to shut everything down because I was getting ready to leave. Nothing about the game makes sense. When I first completed Totem Horde mode activity in the beginning, uh, I didn't even know how to collect my reward. It seemed like they were charging me currency. Hmm. Oh, you're talking about Diablo. Uh, Fighting... We are. We are. We got to get back on track here. Uh, I need an NVIDIA password. Why? Why? New driver came out yesterday. Oh, really? Mm, Do that. They, uh, I've never quite understood why NVIDIA does this. Like, why can't I just, um, why can't I just download the drivers? You know? Instead of needing to, like, log in, because like, I always know to go need, need to go get my password. It never leaves me logged in. Uh... <sighs> PC problems. Well, it's not a PC problem. It's just NVIDIA, I, they, they've always done that. They've always been like, hey, uh, you want to update your drivers? And they're like, yeah, I do. And they're like, great. Uh, can you go get your password? I don't want to. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, game-ready drivers specifically, they've got Ratchet and Clank specifically shown. Specifically shown. Uh, because they need to do it for you. I I don't need to be logged in though. Just run the Nvidia software and let me and just update. Like why do I need to log in for that? I'm not trying to download the drivers manually from their website and install them. Even that's easy to do. How can you mess that up? Double clicking on an executable? Custom installation. Yes. <clears throat> Account requirements should be illegal for updates. I think my least favorite thing as a gamer is when you go to play a video game and they're like, we need you to log in. You need an account. I'm like, huh? Why? I don't want... 
I don't want to do that. I just want to play your video game. <laughs> Local streamer burns down house while trying to update NVIDIA drivers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened. My, my, my computer exploded. I'm still on the fence about Armored Core. I like what I see, just not 100% sold yet. Um, oh, I might stop streaming on, on uh, Kick. It's telling me I need to restart. Is it going to restart my computer, or is it going to restart GeForce? Exp- it's going to restart my computer. <laughs> I was like... I, is it going to restart the app or restart the computer? I thought it might be just restart the GeForce experience. I'm streaming over on Kick. Thankfully, I was only streaming to like three or four people. They'll all come over here and laugh at me. I'm like, yeah, it might kill the stream, guys. It might. So it looks like Digital Foundry is saying the Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart arrived too late for the full deep dive treatment. But while we work on that, check on the three way. Uh, let's play PC Max versus PS5 Performance RT. Uh, PC very low on min spec. Oh gosh, how bad's the min spec, Eugene? Did you not realize driver updates require a system restart? Well, no, I did, but it it did it right at the beginning. Usually, it does it at the end. It did it right at the beginning, so I thought, oh, you know, it's gonna. It'll it'll uh it'll restart the GeForce experience. I thought it was updating the GeForce experience. Yeah, it said th- I don't know why it said three way. Watch it. <laughs> uh, I can't right now. Uh, yeah, that's fine. All right. My my uh. Alex over Digital Foundry. Alex's video about Ratchet and Clank was was not good. It wasn't. He engaged with people that that were 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 saying things that were that were either inaccurate or not really part of the discussion. The discussion's not about whether or not you can get the game to run. That that that's it's such a it's such a false way to frame it. The way everybody's framing that discussion, it's such a false framing. Oh, it's just a Twitter clip. All right, hang on. Um, 720p. Oh, that's minimum settings. All right, native 20, 720p. So he's going... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I need to tweet that one. Yeah, they lied. Uh huh. But the devs lied. I await, uh, LOL, but the devs lied. I await no retractions from folks who ran with a false narrative. 
the game can't even run. The game can't even run. Do you guys want to see this? It's a freaking joke. Watch this. Watch what happens. Yeah, the de the devs lied. Watch the watch the scene behind me. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. The devs lied, though. The day lied. Like, he's... He, look how far behind he is in the sequence. <laughs> Isn't the question, can it run a PS5 equivalent performance with an HDD? It it can't run on an HDD. That's not running. That's like that's like barely running. <laughs> oh, they lied. Really? Is that the game that they sold us? Is that the game that they were talking about? Like it, it literally, it literally doesn't even look like the same game. It's like the, all of the literally go back. We covered this already. Go back and watch the original marketing where they talked about the SSD, and it's literally those sequences that they said wouldn't be possible without the SSD. And look at the game running on that. Look at, look at it. It's, it's like there's literal freezes and hitches. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, I, I told you, I told you that everybody that kept talking about it was framing it in a false way. It, they were running with a false narrative. It's like, oh, they lied. They lied. It can run on an HDD. It looks like garbage. It doesn't even run the way that it's intended to run. They designed a game to run like this. Yeah, but it can run an HDD. It doesn't even run the way they designed it, you moron. It... <laughs> I'm telling you, smear merchants and liars, the lot of them, they just run with lies and smear merchant campaigns. Where's the comparison? I tweeted it. We just watched it a second ago. I, every time I watched a tweet or a thread or a video about that, I was like, false framing, false framing, false framing, false framing, false framing. You're framing this in a false way. They never said this game could never, ever run on an HDD. They said in order to do these cool things, seamlessly jumping from riffs to riffs to riffs, you could not do that without this SSD. And then you had all these these idiots saying, like, oh, you can do this on that, and you can do you could do the riffs. You could do the riffs. This guy said you could do the riffs. Okay, he was talking about the lassoing. He wasn't a talking about literally going from one section to immediately another section instantaneously with zero load times.
Digital Foundry proved this just now. Even with the top right and a top of the NSSD, it's still slightly slower. Right? Exactly, Cliffo. Like, there's some they, they've got they've got something real special in the PS5, <laughs> and nobody wants to admit it. Nobody wants to admit it. They all ran with they all they all got so excited and they all ran with their false narrative the last couple of weeks. And I just sat here and I just kind of waited. I was like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Here's a little here's a little more rope. Here's a little more rope. I just realized we haven't had music uh for quite a while. I apologize about that. I didn't realize that when I reset the computer we lost music because I've been playing that's way too loud good golly I'm a professional I promise (laughs) sorry it has a few issues but overall in good shape infinitely better than T-Loo part 1 and Jedi Survivor at launch the funniest bit is when Rich tried running the game off of an actual PS4 hard drive on a machine just above min spec Mm mhm Hang on. Uh, limited. Confirm. Okay. Now people are talking about Ratchet running on an SD card on the Steam Deck. Yeah, they saw that it was Steam Deck certified, so they started running with that narrative this morning. They started running with that narrative this morning. It was like, oh, is he going to run it on a Steam Deck? You don't need an SSD to run Ratchet and Clank. It's like, okay. And I just sit there. I just sit there, and I just quietly wait. And I'm like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yep, sure. Keep talking. Keep running your mouth. Go go ahead. Run your mouth. Because because I knew, I was like, Digital Foundry is going to come out, they're going to break down all of this, and you're all going to look stupid, you won't post a single retraction, you'll just move on to some new smear campaign and some new lie, and then that'll be the end of it. Even though the Steam Deck uses the SSD. Right, that was the other thing I saw people saying, Cliffo, it was like, the, the Steam Deck uses an SSD, what are you talking about? No, no, there won't be any retractions. There won't be any I was wrong videos. My jaw will dislocate from how far it drops if any of these liars post I was wrong videos. They just lie, bro. They just lie. They frame it in a false way. You get clicks from the anti-Sony crowd. They're basically making content for haters. That's what it is. It's not even content for people who are like pro-gaming pro-truth they hate sony and you can make content for people that hate sony and they will gobble it up they will gobble it up like i love alex go look at his channel if he bashes sony those videos far outperform when he bashes xbox there's a crowd of people that absolutely gobble up hating on sony they think it's wonderful it, he, he bashes Xbox, he takes them to task, he criticizes them, and those videos don't perform as well. That's, not, that is, that's nothing against him. That's indicative of the audience. There's an audience out there that absolutely loves hating Sony. I don't get it at all. It's bizarre. 
It's extremely bizarre. It's it's almost like maybe because of how things have gone for uh, you know Xbox the past couple of years, there's just been this increase in folks that really, really want to. They want games to play. They can't get them. I don't know. You know, they're they're frustrated. So their frustration leads them to, you know, feeling like they they want to. I got to turn on invert up and down. It's like they, they they want something to celebrate. So they they they're they're anxious to celebrate anything that sort of makes Sony look bad. Because Xbox has looked pretty bad for a while. Uh, hang on, I gotta get this stream set up. I wasn't watching the time. The pointy tip of Sony fans are smug a-holes. I totally get hating Sony. I mean, I'm not gonna deny, I'm not gonna deny that Sony fans have their own things that they do that are frustrating. But the weird thing that I've experienced is here, here's an example when I criticize the PlayStation showcase when I criticize the last of us port um, when I criticize the marketing for God of War Ragnarok uh, I'm trying to think when I criticize them for not giving people the free Horizon Forbidden West update that they promised like I never had Sony fans come after me and insult me and attack me personally if I criticize Xbox that's what happens if I criticize Sony, I generally get agreement from the Sony audience. They're like, yep, that showcase sucked. Yep, that port's an embarrassment. They generally agree with me. I criticize Xbox, and I get mercilessly attacked. I get slandered. I get ridiculed. I get called names. I get, I basically get harassed. I can criticize Sony, and none of that happens. I've never had any of those Sony accounts do that. I had one person get really weird with me when I said that Final Fantasy 16's combat looked like it wouldn't appeal to me, and they got kind of weird and kind of snippy, but they didn't, like, attack me, right? They were like, well, it's a JRPG. What do you expect? And I was like, I literally said that, like, in the tweet. Oh, no, someone don't know a gift membership. Thanks, chat. No problem, man. Thanks for being here. I gotta ask you, man... About Maddie, I called him being a shill a month ago, and you said he does have more of a lean. Do you think he's still leaning, or is he a shill? I'm curious. I give Maddie the benefit of the doubt. I even told him in a reply, I was like, I defended you when all the Redfall stuff happened. Like, I was willing to give you the benefit of the doubt because Maddie seems like a stand-up guy. I think in the best light possible, Maddie doesn't doesn't think anything's wrong with it because it's normal. It's, it's totally normal for Xbox creators to be given things early to soften the blow. That's called astroturfing. That, that's not, you're not, you've not been given a press briefing so that you have a video ready or an article ready. He was talking about how Xbox is coy and they're smart and they go to content creators when there's going to be blowback and they give them the news first so that they can prepare, pe- they can prepare people for the blowback. That's astroturfing. You're giving people marketing points and marketing framing in the wake of blowback. That's not giving someone a press briefing. 
hey, this thing's coming. Here you go. Here's the press briefing. You can have a video ready to go. That's not what he said. He didn't say, yeah, we get press briefings from Microsoft so that we can have things ready to go. That happens with IGN, Game Informer. That happens with Forbes. They get the press briefings first, and YouTubers oftentimes get lumped in with those press briefings. He was not describing getting press briefings. He was describing astroturfing. And I don't think he realizes it. He just thinks it's normal. What's the big deal? We've been doing this for a really long time, which inadvertently is more damning than the fact that you let it slip that Microsoft uses YouTubers and podcasts to astroturf. Like, astroturfing is when you manipulate the marketing and the narrative around something and you do it sort of through, you go out to all the outlets and you have like consistent talking points. And I kept saying, I was like, everybody's saying the same thing. Every time something negative comes out about Xbox or anytime, like with Redfall, it just felt weird. The whole thing felt weird. It felt like there was astroturfing going on. It was like, why are they defending this game so ardently? Why are they... Why? It's like a fake grassroots movement. That's exactly right. And Aaron Greenberg literally used grassroots to talk about how they market and how they get people to buy in and how they get people to talk about their content. So it's like, I, again, viewing Maddie in the best light and just giving him the benefit of the doubt, like I'm trying to believe the best about the guy. It's like, I don't think you realize that this is a problem. You're, you're not being given press briefings. You're being used to astroturf. You... You think it's normal because it's been going on for so long. We're saying that that's not okay. Xbox did this before. They did this in the Xbox One era and it led to a bunch of regulations. Do you remember that? Do you remember when they paid YouTubers to talk about how good the Xbox One was and the YouTubers did not divulge that it was sponsored content? That led to a whole swath of regulations and standards put in place by both the government and YouTube. You cannot do that. You cannot do sponsored content and not stipulate that it's sponsored. Do you know what's coming next? Or do you know what I think should come next? Any press outlet that is given early access to information to write an article or to make a video ahead of time, they should have to divulge that relationship to the public. They should have to divulge that. Because what Maddie described is, to me, it's so close to the line of being unethical. Like, that's not ethical. You guys are getting information ahead of time to spin it in a positive way because, well, they would come to us. They're coy. They're smart. If there's going to be blowback, they would kind of come to us and they would let us know. And he gave the example of, like, $70 games. So they knew $70 games were coming so that they could, like, stand against the blowback. And it's like, that's not, that's not cool. That's right on the line of being unethical. You're you're now an extension of their marketing department and you're not divulging that. You if you don't divulge that relationship, I ha- I actually have a problem with that. I I think this is I th- I've thought this since I covered Destiny. If there are YouTubers or press outlets that get press releases early so they can cover Uh, a battle pass or a patch or an update and they get to break the news I think they should have to divulge that relationship why? because it's as good as money it's as good as money if you're getting the first clicks on your video if you're getting the first clicks on your article because you're breaking the story you're breaking the briefing and the update that's as good as being paid money because you're making money off of it 
And the fact that the YouTubers, the fact that the bloggers, and the articles are not divulging these relationships, I think it's unethical. It's like you're you you're in a direct relationship helping them market or spin or or astroturf negative news, and you're not divulging that relationship. I have a problem with that. And the fact that they all hand wave and they're like, well, this is normal. This is normal. This is no-. no, it's not. It's not normal. What's normal is a simple press briefing. Not preparing for blowback. Preparing for blowback sounds like you're basically a community manager. You're, you're on the marketing team. They're just not they're just not writing a check. So it's a quid pro quo, and we should know that, that there is a conflict of interest. That's exactly right, Zubair. That's exactly right. It's unethical because it essentially is a quid pro quo because you're going to lose access to those early those early breaks, those early stories, that early information. You'll lose access to it if you don't toe the party line. You think you're going to keep getting early access to info and insider information if you start blasting them, if you start criticizing them? You'll ruin that relationship. There was a guy uh, that came out about that with, um, he, he covered Call of Duty and he said that there was guys that got critical of Call of Duty and then they they weren't invited to events anymore. And like that was how they controlled the narrative around Call of Duty. Basically when Call of Duty started kind of falling by the wayside and it wasn't doing so hot and people were getting, you know, critical of it, they were trying to control the narrative by controlling the content creator. So I, again, I told him, I was like, I was not trying. I was not trying to like start drama or put anybody on blast. I saw a tweet you described astroturfing and I'm like yeah I, I I felt like for a while there was some astroturfing going on and then the weird thing about it too was first he replied and said this is totally normal and then in another reply he said that he was being sarcastic and I'm like well I don't understand which is it were, were you describing something that's totally normal in business as usual or were you being sarcastic it didn't sound sarcastic to me and and the host of the show was nodding along in agreement and smiling like yep that happens uh-huh like th- th- there didn't seem to be any like wait wait hold on a minute like <laughs> you know there was no like hey i i know that's never happened what are you talking about skill up destroys games that he gets access to I think access to games is in a slightly different category. If you're a large enough content creator, they don't really necessarily care if you're going to be critical of the game. It's still really, 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 really good for top of mind marketing and publicity, right? This is an issue in the hardware review space because smaller channels need review samples because they aren't able to buy a thousand or $1,600 cards for an independent review. They need NVIDIA or AMD. You can be very critical while being fair. That's right. Cognito. Yeah, he unfollowed me on Twitter because all I did was post a video and say, I thought there was some astroturfing going on, and now we know why. This guy just admitted it. He just admitted that Microsoft comes to them with, with... with media with media spin basically it's like oh this is being ripped out of context it's like how how is it being ripped out of context it was a complete thought with an example 
it was a complete thought. The complete thought was they're coy, they're smart, they come to us and give us stuff early if there's going to be blowback. And he gives an example, $70 games. It's like, what, what, what else, what else would be the context there? What am I missing? And there was a guy that was being really thoughtful on Twitter. He did a whole thread and he said, what's the context? What are we missing? Explain it to us. No, no response. Who unfollowed you? Uh, whatever. Uh, the guy that runs the Iron Lords podcast, Lord Cognito or whatever his name is. Yeah, he unfollowed me. Like, we, we were mutuals. And it was like, I wasn't trying to, like, call you guys out. But it's like, you said this in view of the public. What what are we supposed to do? Ignore it? We, we have suspected for a very long time that there was astroturfing going on that Microsoft was using YouTubers and podcasts to push talking points. We suspected it, and it started to really, really heat up with Redfall. I was like, this is weird. The whole Redfall thing was super weird. We didn't get a straight answer from anybody. It just felt very odd. And then I see this clip, and I'm like, you just described astroturfing. You, you, you literally just described it. You described receiving information early in order to handle the blowback. That, the fact that I need to explain why that's problematic is even more problematic. It's like, you're not even aware of why this is wrong. Like, I shouldn't have to explain that to you. Like, the fact that you let it out means you don't think it's a big deal. You think this is normal. Because the one guy tried, was like trying to lecture me. He was like, I know you're trying to make it in this field. And I'm like, I'm trying to make it in this field? What, do you, what, do you, what is that supposed to mean? What? I'm, I've, I'm, I'm not making it, I guess. I'm, I'm failing. Whatever the case may be. He was like trying to lecture me. He was like, well, this is how the industry is. I'm like, homie, I'm well aware of how the industry operates. I've been in it for eight years. I've received press briefings. That's not what he was describing. The reason that my alarm bells went off is because I know how the industry works and this is not how it's supposed to work I've been main stage E3 I've interviewed huge developers I've interviewed CEOs of companies I've received press briefings I've been a part of roundtables. I've been a part of NDAs, embargoes I know how the industry works this ain't it I've never received spin from a developer or a company. I've never received information like, oh, there's going to be blowback. You better get ready. We're being coy. We're being smart. We're giving you the information first. Okay. That's not at all. Like I said, it's right on the line of being unethical. It, actually, it might even be unethical. If you actually combed, if you actually combed over it and really thought about it, the relationship not being divulged to the public makes it unethical. Treble Champ with a five uh, five spot just got the dimensional bit in Ratchet and Clank. I have a 980 SSD and a 490. I can tell you it pauses between riffs to allow loading. Literally stops for a second. Yeah, there's a video on Twitter. Digital Foundry pretty much shows that <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, that PS5 is <laughs> maybe maybe there is some magic in there. So the industry is unethical. It is in a lot of ways, but usually we hide that stuff. Well, here's it. <laughs> that's the thing that 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 blew that that's the thing that blew my mind. Is people were like, well, all these companies do this. 
Does that make it okay? Like, there's rampant abuse in the world of, of, like, of children. Does that make it okay? Like, if you catch somebody doing something, you don't hand wave and say, ah, this happens all the time. I'll just run a red light. I'll try that with a police officer. I'll just run the red light. Do you know why I stopped you, son? Yeah, I ran the red light. You're not going to ticket me, are you? I mean, come on. Everybody runs red lights, bro. What's it, what, what, Just because you caught me running a red light doesn't make it wrong. I mean, everybody everybody runs red lights. Come on. <laughs> it would write the ticket faster. Brooklyn Bereed with three months. The fact that they don't see it as a problem is tough. GG. Right. That's what I said. I was like, the fact that this needs to be explained to you, that's a bigger problem. Microsoft's got you completely fooled here. This isn't normal. This isn't normal. This isn't how press briefings are supposed to be handled. Your job is not to astroturf for Microsoft. You're supposed to deliver the information. You can then give your opinion. If if you get the briefing about $70 games, as an example, so that you can cover it, and then you give your opinion, that's totally fine. But th- But that's not what he said. He didn't say, "Oh yeah, they let us know ahead of time, so that we could we could have videos ready, and we, you know we we could uh, we could have the information ahead of time." It was they're coy, they're smart. They let us know ahead of time to prepare people for uh, for blowback. I was like, "Okay, I, you 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 said it. You said that out loud for everybody to hear. Th- that is that is not at all." That is not at all acceptable. It's totally it's totally normal to give favored creators early access to games, previews, etc. It is not normal to give them early heads up on bad news and talking points for spin. That that's what I'm saying. There's like such a big categorical difference there, and it's like I just don't think that they see it. They just think, well, we get we get early information all of the time. And again, I've said this. If you get early access to a game, you have to divulge that relationship. Because people need to know, okay, you got this game for free from that company. If you get information ahead of time from a company, so you can have a blog, article, or video prepared ahead of time, that relationship should be divulged. I believe it should be regulated. I believe you should be fined if you don't do it. Because it's unethical to not divulge that relationship. You're you're creating, I think, a false pretense. You're making people think as though, yeah, you know, I'm just reporting on this news, baby. It's like, no, you were given that information from the developer. This is a privileged relationship that you have with them, which should make me view your delivery of the information in light of that. I should have that information. I should know that you got this relation you got this information directly from a relationship with the developer or with the publisher or with the, the platform, whoever it is, whether it's Microsoft, Sony, uh, or the developer themselves. That information should be divulged. It's it's no different. It's money. It's money. Everybody that got flown out to play Armored Core 6 gameplay. They have to divulge that when they put out their previews. Why? Be- because be- because you you have to let people know there's a relationship here. I got access to this game because of this relationship. It could potentially shade your opinion of the game. 
This is a thing with NFL insiders too. They were sometimes verbatim mouthpieces for the agents that typically feed them their info. They apologized and then they went right back to it. Is AC 60 or 70? I believe it's going to be 60. Because it's an all plat it's a it's a cross-gen game. It's not a next-gen only game. I believe it's going to be 60. By the way, if you guys are just tuning in, we're getting ready to go play Ratchet and Clank on the PC. Uh, we got off on a, a little bit of a side tangent. I I, I'm, I don't want to make content about this kind of stuff. I'm not out here trying to put people on blast. That's not the kind of content that I create. But obviously I have to address it because I saw a video. Maddie Plays was on a, uh, a podcast with Lord... Is it Incognito or Lord Cognito? I, I can't remember. He, he was he was on the podcast and he, paraphrasing he basically said that Microsoft is very smart they're very coy and he gave an example of how they will come to creators like him and the guy that was hosting the podcast and the guy nodded along he's like they come to us and they give us information early if there's going to be blowback and he gave an example of games going up in price to $70. So they were given that information early. That's a privilege. It's Lord Cognito. Thank you. They were given that information early as a privilege to handle the blowback. That's called astroturfing. That's that's un, that's unethical. Right? Like that in in the fact that they thought it was normal and that there was no problem for it. Like did you guys look what they did? Did you see how they circled the wagons and immediately started attacking me? A hit dog barks. A hit dog barks. I think that that video and the and the and the and the and the virality of that video, it started getting lots of views. They were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." They all circled the wagons and they started attacking me. And I'm like, "Gotcha." You, you. If this, if this was a misunderstanding, it would have been quickly explained. It wasn't. There was no explanation. It was hand waving, and then I get attacked. It's like, all right, I have my answer. I, I have my answer. You attacked me. You circled the wagons. You tribed up, and this is not a big deal. That guy's just a Sony shill. He just hates on Xbox. It's like, okay. I own my bias, and I'm owned by nobody. So, you, you you can clip me making mistakes about Halo Infinite not being first party, right? You can clip me getting getting irritated about the Activision deal. You can do that all you want, but my thoughts are my own. I'm beholden to nobody, and no platform, and no company. I'd rather be known for somebody who leans PlayStation than be somebody who is quite literally beholden to a company and is out here running astroturfing for them. I would I would much much rather I'd rather be less successful, I'd rather be making less money and doing what I want to and saying what I want to than feeling like, well, if I do this, I might lose the good relationship. I might lose the early access. You can bash me, block me, hate me, drudge up lies from the past all you want. That, that, that has no bearing that has no bearing on your integrity and your soul because you're choosing to do those things and a hit dog barks and a little 30 second clip that clearly described astroturfing was all it took for them to one more time oh well, we gotta attack that guy and it's like 
Why not explain what this is? What are you talking about? This, this happens in media news reporting. It happens in politics. It happens in, in world news reporting. And now we have it in gaming. Why is it called astroturfing? Uh, probably because like astroturf is fake. You're covering an area with something fake. So visually, I think the picture is they're kind of covering something up with something fake. That's the idea, right? Is you all say the same thing and you create this false... You're, you're kind of you're kind of making sure like everybody thinks of this th- this this is okay this is good whatever the case may be astroturf is fake grass it's a fake grassroots movement there you go so digital foundry I really did install Ratchet and Clank onto a 2013 PS4 hard drive, hooked it up to the recommended min spec PC, very low settings, and this is what happened. Yeah, people are responding to the video of Ratchet and Clank. PS5 runs better than the PC. Digital Foundry just proved everyone wrong. <laughs> it's just remarkable. Too long didn't read for what's above. Insomniac saying SSD recommended is complete BS because the game seems to be built with SSD as a requirement. And even then, it needs to be an NVMe drive because of the order of magnitude of the difference in speeds, says Parasito. So, Paris, what you're saying is, is they should have been more rigid in their requirements. They weren't rigid enough, is what you're saying. You're saying they weren't rigid enough. People are going to try to play this, in, and if they don't have an NVMe, it's going to run. It's going to run poorly. I don't even think I have mine on an NVMe. I think my operating system's on the NVMe. I think I have an SSD for my games, but I believe when originally I had a guy helping me because I'm not a tech guy. He said, do you want the OS on the NVMe? I don't know why. I believe that's what he said. My memory's foggy on it. It was like four years ago. No, you weren't looking at a paused video. The game literally doesn't run. Weezy says, I think it's more than that. Uh. This guy wants to Oh, that's this guy's trying to buy my old company. OS always on the NVMe. I have to clear I have a very clear idea of what's happening, says Wheezy. 
hang on. Let me delete that. I want the video. I want the video. That from Linneman. Show this to anyone claiming that Ratchet and Clank rift apart and run on a PS4. Because in in this video, it basically is. Okay, show this to anyone claiming that Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart can run on a PS4, because in this video, it basically is. There we go. I love it. Bear in mind, this is a 10-year-old 5400 RPM laptop HDD, newer... 7200 RPM desktop HDDs are far, far faster, and the game works okay there. On the flip side, cross-gen game developers still need to accommodate this ancient drive. Weezy says, because when there seems to be no difference in load speeds for 7100, 3500, and 500, it's clear that utilization is incorrect. I'm not understanding what necessarily what you're saying, Weezy. This is going to be perfect. This is going to be perfect. We're going to go play it right now on PC in 15 minutes. So if you guys want to get some more members going, we'll do members after Ratchet. We'll play Ratchet for maybe an hour. We'll show it off. My PC sometimes crashes, though. I, I, I don't know why. It's not the game. I've had, I've had games run perfectly fine for days, and then all of a sudden my PC just crashes. I, I hope that doesn't happen today. It shouldn't. It hasn't had any issues in a really long time. I unseated and reseated the video card once, and it went away for like a month. So, I don't know what causes it. The speeds don't seem to make a difference on each of the SSDs, but the HDD is bad. They should have been far more rigid. I agree with Wheezy. There's more going on under the hood. My message here uh, has the breakdowns for speeds. So it looks like the Series XS is using Gen 3 NVMe with either a bad storage controller or not full bandwidth allocation. PS5 is using Gen 4 and faster RAM. Even standard SATA SSD speed 600 are up to six times faster than the PS4 spinning drive uh, and is advertised at 2400 to 4800 compared to max write speeds of a Gen 3 3000 as advertised. Yeah, you're getting into, you guys are getting into territory where my brain goes, ugh. Wheezy is saying that if the load times isn't linear with storage speeds, but instead bracketed thresholds, there's a poor implementation of storage. People didn't realize that direct storage isn't 100% like PS5 IO subsystem. Direct storage is software emulation of the IO subsystem with a portion of hardware acceleration by using the GPU for decompression. So AOZ works on stuff for the, the industry and, uh, basically telling us why it's not going to run as well is what is what it sounds like to me link up your specs in the description on your youtube videos for gameplays oh the 2080 ti and i don't know the processor or ram 
I suppose I could I could do that. None of this is direct storage, says Wheezy. It was never about the SSD, says Eugene. People are like, it's playable, stop it. Nobody would defend that. Yeah, it's it's not playable. It doesn't even look like the game's running. It looks like you keep it looks like a video keeps getting frozen and paused. Like it doesn't even look like the game is working. It lo- it looks like a joke. I got 19 quote tweets already. PS5 is even better than a maxed out PC. (laughs) What did I tell you guys? I told you, I said, PS5 is going to be market disruptive. There's something special there. And the PS5 Pro is going to be the landing of the plane. Developers are just going to want to make games over there, bro. And then you'll use Nixus to bring it to PC. Nixus Nixus does great work. Nixus does great work. It's not a bad port. Did you unblock everyone on Twitter? No. Why would I unblock trash? Won't be seeing direct storage games until next year at the earliest, says Parasito. I'll translate what Wheezy is saying. It's probably treating the SSD like it's just a fast HDD probably loading in sequence instead of treating it like an SSD and loading it all at once. Thank you, Zubair. Digital Foundry is impressed with the port, says Eugene. It's not a bad port. Yeah, Digital Foundry says that it's infinitely better than Jedi Survivor and The Last of Us Part 1. They said it's a good port. They said that it has some issues. I would imagine all ports have some issues. What are those issues? I don't know. I've not watched the video yet. But that was their summary statement on Twitter. PS5 isn't better than a maxed out PC. Loading is the same in the PC maxed out. More textures and foliage. Well, I think the point that they were drawing is when they said the SSD, the loading, they couldn't go into the details of like the like the IO and the data controller because that would be confusing to people, but they couldn't go into those details. But if they would have gone into those details, they would have explained like why Ratchet and Clank ripped apart is only possible on a PS5. Crossfire Sierra Squad launches August 29th on PSVR 2. How the co-op shooter aims to immerse you in the treacherous virtual world. Yeah, there's some co- there's some co-op VR games coming out, Eugene. It would be really fun. That's perfect. So they lied, huh? That's perfect creature. Good thumbnail for the debrief. So they lied, huh? All right, we're going to go over to this in about 10 minutes. If you guys want to do any more member gifting, uh, we're going to have to have a big bounce back. Stone Spire's thrown down the gauntlet. If you can get us to 2,900, he'll drop the final 100. I believe today you got us uh, to about 2,500. We'll probably lose some more this week. The goal that we have is to go into August really, really strong. So we're trying to go into August with about somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 members. Uh, and then we can really push for the big goal once we're in August. If we, if we can get to August, we'll have a really, really strong floor. 
I think the PS5 storage only shows up in very niche situations like this. In 99% of games, the mainstream PC is fine, and the high-end PC is superior. The PS5 APU is old and not getting faster. They're saying the GPU utilization is essentially not being taxed. This performance is exactly what you should expect to see with Starfield, by the way, says Parasito. Okay. Omar says there are still potentially two other methods for speeding up load times even further on PC though, direct storage and NVIDIA's newer RTX IO. Starfield wasn't built for PS5. Yeah, but I feel like Paris has put together his own theories about the bottleneck for Starfield's gonna be the hard drive. sure about that? Yeah, it wasn't built for PS5. You sure about that? Okay. i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go early. We're going to go a little bit early because we're losing people. Okay. It's the perfect time to go live with Ratchet and Clank PC port gameplay since everybody's talking about it. Alright, I'm going to give you guys a link in chat. It'll also redirect you. Do me a favor. Smash that like button. I owe you guys some members. Um, I'll do it in the new stream. Let's just cross our fingers that my PC does not crash. It sat on this screen for a while. Usually I was having crashes like literally in menus before I even got into games. That that would not be indicative of uh, of the game's quality. It's just my rig. I need to update my gaming rig. I don't use it that much to begin with. Okay. All right, there you go. There's the link to the new stream. Do me a favor, smash that thumbs up button on this video. And when we head over to the new video, smash thumbs up. We had a very, very light turnout today. So we don't have as many people to throw at this stream. So it might be a straw. It might be a slower start. Um. <clears throat> Thank you.
Thanks so much for checking out the video. We are diving in to Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart on PC. Digital Foundry has already done a breakdown. I don't expect this to run better on my rig. I've got a 2080 Ti. I've got a pretty good rig. It's about four years old. It is installed on an SSD, but we are seeing that it just runs better on the PS5 for the Rift sections. Now, I might get like slightly better graphics and lighting on my PC, but I'm probably not going to see better load times. There's little snags and little loads. It was just designed specifically for the I.O., the data controller, and how the PlayStation 5 handles the instantaneous loading of the rifts. It looks really, really bad. They, Digital Foundry, managed to get it to run like a a simulated PS4 and stuff. So I'm going to end the previous stream about Armored Core and bring everybody over 